Hi, everybody. It's Pete Oliver. Welcome to the Emerge On Purpose podcast. This podcast is for sales reps and managers who want to become better leaders. Each show, we'll talk about a different leadership principle that will help sales reps and managers emerge on purpose. I'd like to welcome Jay Webb to the podcast. For those of you that don't know Jay, in my opinion, he's he's the best in the business when it comes to technology sales recruiting. And he does a great job of identifying top talent, whether it be individual contributor roles or leadership roles. He's been doing it so long, he, he knows what a good one looks like, a good leader and then a good rep that has the ability to merge into a leader. So I'm excited to get Jay on the podcast today. And he is one of the few guests I will have that has a deeper voice than I do. So I'm jealous. Jay, welcome. Sure, you're right. What's up, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me. Hey, man. Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining. This is great. So let's just jump right into it here. The world you live in and I live in dealing with with sales leaders, we, we know it's a an interesting place to play. And the average tenure for, for a sales leader, especially a technology sales leader, is 18 months or less curious we both have known some some great leaders that have been in their positions for a while how do you think they've bucked that trend interesting i think how most sales leaders that i know that have been able to buck that trend and stay a while is they're often people who have process driven orientation first and so they're not necessarily looking at the day-to-day and short-term And they have longer term strategy that allows them to think differently. And so they're not necessarily looking at, um, you know, how many deals did we close today or how many uh, new customers did we get in, but more longer term, like how many over the quarter, how many over the, the course of the year. And I think they invest in their people a lot more, you know, so that they really spend a lot of time. Um, you know, training, coaching, and and mentoring their people in a lot of ways where people who are thinking shorter term uh, don't necessarily do, and they don't do oftentimes because they're because they are thinking in such short term uh, that they're that they're not necessarily investing the time to coach and train their teams. And I think that's really one of the biggest things as to why some of the people that you and I know have been in their role, certainly a lot longer than 18 months. Yeah, that's a great point. There needs to be a balance there. Yeah, we, we, we have numbers, we have goals, monthly goals, quarterly goals, but your whole existence can't be chasing the month ends. That's going to burn yourself out. It's going to burn your people out. And there needs to be a long-term view and a vision that people want to follow and you want to follow it yourself. And I think you're right. I think that is the reason why people stick around for so long. Let me ask you this. You're, and I say you, I say, let's put ourselves in the sales rep's shoes. They want to evolve into leadership. They want to get to a place where they've become that frontline manager. What do you see in those leaders in the early days when they get their first leadership job that allows them to be successful early on? I think a lot of it has to do with letting go of where they just came from, right? They have to realize that it's not about them anymore. Uh, It's about the, the team and it's about... Uh, not necessarily taking taking what worked for them and injecting it or try to project it onto their individual members, but it's really about getting to know each individual on their team. Um, you know what motivates them, um, what's going to get them to optimal performance, 
and it's not going to be the same for everybody. And I think that one of the key things that the new sales leaders do is, is that they understand that um, they work really closely with their team and they're able to, to really focus on the things that are going to get them um, to where they want to be. Great point. That's become a common theme on the Emerge on Purpose podcast. It's almost like when you get into leadership, you think you're going to have more control, but the reality is you basically have less because you're dealing with more people and your span of control is so big, you can't do everything yourself like you used to do as a rep. I'm curious, have you ever placed an individual contributor into a management role? Have you ever seen that happen? If I have, it's been very rare, which if I can't quite remember it off the top of my head, the answer is probably not. I think maybe in name once where, you know, somebody went from an individual contributor role into a, I think it was either a director or even a vice president um, of sales role, but it was a smaller company where he would be wearing many hats, which would include obviously carrying a bag and hopefully growing from there. I think the reason why it's it's unusual is because, you know, oftentimes, when someone's looking for a sales leader, they want to have seen someone lead at that level before. And it's difficult. And this is part of I'm sorry why you have this 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 podcast is because people struggle. And it's a challenge to go from an individual contributor to leadership role. And oftentimes, um, hiring managers, and you know, VP, of, whether it's a VP of sales or a CEO are risk averse, right? And they're not necessarily because you know, hitting their numbers and reaching that, that, that next goal in the in level within the organization is important to them. And to make a hire on somebody that's unproven is going to be less likely uh, to happen. So I think what they want to see is people who have done it before. I think that for my advice for individual contributors, though, however, is to look at and people who have done it successfully, whether it's a leader within your own company or just actively seeking out mentors, and understanding and listening to podcasts like this, frankly, and getting an understanding of what you need to do in order to successfully make that transition. And then, frankly, to inspire the confidence if you are in a position where you're, you're interviewing for one of those positions, how do you inspire the confidence in the person making the decision that you are able to do it? But it is, but it is really tough. I appreciate the perspective. I don't think I've talked to a single person that got their first leadership role by switching companies. So it's almost like, how do we make the most out of the company that we're at and put ourselves in a position to earn that promotion? And a lot of times it might be a hyper growth company and they're going to need new leaders because their growth path is so severe. So that's the way to go, right? You get that first management job and then you don't ever have to go back. But a lot of times it's probably is going to be inside the company you're already in which might be something we'd want to consider. Do we join a business that allows us that upward mobility? And is there a path there? Has, have they shown a track record of promoting from within in the past? I think a good rule of thumb is you're not only interviewing for the job that you have or the job that you want, you're interviewing for the job after the job. And if your path is to get into leadership, then you're going to want to be able to see that upward mobility, right? Yeah, that's right. And one of the, it's funny, I was talking to one of my clients a while back and I was asking him how he was able to get into, uh, you know, director level and VP of sales so early in his career. And he alluded to the fact that, you know, if you get in with a particular company that uh, has a fast growth trajectory in a market that is also growing, and then obviously that company promotes people from within and really fosters those, you know, personal and professional growth. Uh, then yeah, then you have an opportunity to do that, to get promoted from within and then move 
from that company to get um, something else. I think obviously, you know, if you're in a startup company and maybe it's a flatter organization, it's going to be a little bit more challenging to do that. But I think if you are within a bit of a larger organization, you're certainly going to have a better opportunity to do that. And then maybe then go to a startup taking that experience with you. You've worked with a ton of sales leaders. What sets the good ones apart in your mind? And I understand the long-term vision planning because that's going to allow them to stay in the role for a long time. But give us something else. Give us some of those intangibles that you see in leaders that you think sets them apart in your mind. I think really they are good leaders of people. I think that they really have to you know, be someone and, and set the foundation for their sales culture that's collaborative, where teams are open to feedback, um, where they know that, or the team knows that they're open for feedback as well. And then also that the team really knows and feels that it's not just about the the individual sales leader, that it is about creating that vision for why they're all there, how to hit your numbers overall uh, to be successful. I think that you know, when you look at some of the best sales leaders that, that I've worked with in the, in the past and have continued to work with, they know how to find the right people, they know how to motivate those people, and then they know how to you know, essentially get the most out of them. And so really, I think it comes down to their ability to manage people, not necessarily the numbers, not necessarily the process, but really to manage the people. I appreciate that. Yeah. So when you say motivate, that's such an intangible topic. Give me a sense for what you meant by that. And how, can you give me some of the how to's on, on how you've seen some of these, some of these leaders do that? I think really, <clears throat> it's not necessarily about, uh, you know, you have the, the old carrot and the stick examples where some leaders that may have historically led by the, the, the stick where there's, if you don't do this, then there are going to be consequences. That doesn't necessarily work. Maybe 20 years ago or something like that. Or if you look at people who are the Steve Jobs of the world and people that aren't necessarily the most charismatic leaders. But I think to me, some of the best motivators that, that, that I've seen in, in, and have worked with are people who, you know, like I said, it comes down to the people understanding where on, you know, what motivates your each individual team members. What do they want? Why are they there? What are they trying to get out of their own personal, you know, the, what does this business or company or this next sale mean for them personally? And, and how does where they're at right now with your company within their current position? How does it fit within the trajectory of their career? So I think that because everybody's motivated differently, whether it's money, whether it's uh, recognition, people are motivated by different ways. And I think that if you make the mistake of thinking that people are motivated by the same thing, um, that's troubling. So I think that if you're able to really map it back to what they care most about, that's what I've seen uh, motivates people the most. You know, it's, it's boiling, boiling down what you just said. You might want to ask them. That's usually a pretty cool way to figure out what motivates somebody is ask them. And I think a lot of times you might be surprised what you hear because we're not all motivated the same way. And sometimes as leaders too, if, if we can help crystallize the North Star, if you will, of our people and where they want to go, then that becomes a motivator as well. And I, I think good leaders I've seen become a part of their reps plan. And it's not just all about the numbers. It's not just all about the goal. It's about assisting your your reps and their ability to go accomplish their own goals too, right? Not just the company goals. And I, I think you're right. Good leaders do that. They understand those motivating factors for their people. And then a leader becomes a part of their reps plan, not just the other way around. I think also empathy has to go into that as well, too. You know, I was interviewing somebody for my podcast who um, essentially, you know, he had a rep that was struggling. 
they were leaving on a Friday and the rep was heading up to be with some family, I think, uh, up in, up in Maine, we're here in Massachusetts and called the rep on the way home and just said, Hey, like, I noticed that, you know, that you've been struggling and it's going to be okay. Like you're, I can see, you know, he was exhibiting all the right behaviors and just sort of talking him through sort of a, that I, I noticed B that I know that, uh, that we're going to get through this and, you know, just go enjoy the weekend and don't think about it. Going back to the whole carrot and stick, I think that's one of those carrots where, you know, that particular salesperson um, really appreciated that. Um, another instance, uh, the gentleman sent cupcakes to a uh, one of his employees and he, in the cupcakes, it had the logo of the company that he was, he had been trying to close for quite a while. And, you know, wife went to the door, opened up the door, saw the cupcakes there and went to her husband and was like, Hey, she's like, you closed so-and-so. And he started laughing. He's like, no, he was like, that's, you know, at Kalman's his last name. He said, no, he's like, that was, that was, uh, that was Kalman. He was like, he's, he's just busting my chops right now. Cause I haven't closed that yet. Right. So it's one of those things where, you know, to understand who they are as individuals and try to do what motivates that particular person, those cupcakes, that, that example might not have worked for somebody else, but he knew that it was going to work for that individual because he had, he's taken time to understand him and, and know what makes him tick. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, you know, let me let me ask you this, because you and I had a similar career path where we worked for organizations and decided to go off and become entrepreneurs, start our own business. In my mind, when you enter into leadership, there, there's a lot of things that happen that are somewhat entrepreneurial in nature. We have to think on our feet. We have to be strategic. We have to have a plan and a process. We have to start thinking about things differently. It's thinking about P&Ls and balance sheets and all kinds of stuff that didn't enter into our thought process when we worked for a company, right? As an individual contributor anyway. So can you give us any insight into some of those entrepreneurial mindsets that would help somebody make that transition from a rep to a leader? Yeah, I'll go back to it because I think it's so important. And I think that um, most leaders need to have it, which is vision. And here's what I mean by that is that I was talking to, to my wife about this recently about just stress and how, and how to handle it and why I don't appear to be as stressed as one might be given, <laughs> given, given certain circumstances. And really, it comes down to what I was alluding to about uh, sales leaders who have a stick to itiveness, I guess, if you will, right? And they're there for the for the long haul, which is, is that if what you're doing today in this moment isn't going to affect the trajectory of where you really want to go, like your North Star, where you're trying to go, then that should be the, the, the baseline, I guess, if you will, right? So have a longer term thought process. I was talking to a candidate just earlier today who was telling me that he wouldn't take, it was like a $20,000 uh, pay cut for a salary, but my answer to him was, okay, well, you already have a, you know, a salary that's way over right now. And I said that if you look at, say, the next two or three years, or even five years from now, how does this next role fit into what you plan for your life and for your future and for your professional life? I go, so you can't look at it and say, you know, do I have enough money to buy the sports car or go on vacation or do these types of things? And I think from a leadership perspective, I think it's, or it's the same thing. It's not necessarily about you anymore. It's not necessarily about, I'm going to close this quarter or close this particular thing. Obviously those are important, but I think that if you don't have the vision for where you are taking the team and where you want to take your career and frankly, the company, it's going to be very difficult because then what's going to happen is, is that you're not going to show much conviction for things. You're going to try this thing this month. You're going to try this thing this month and so forth and so on. And before you know it, at the end of the year, at the end of the 18 months, you're no farther along than 
you wanted to be because you were just all over the place, right? So have that long-term vision, stay with it. Great point. Some of us struggle with the bright, shiny object syndrome. And if you're a rep, you can get away with that. You can, you can say, oh, I'm going to go after this client and it doesn't work. Oh, I'm going to go after that client. I'm going to check out that networking event. I'm going to use this prospecting strategy. And, and you can somewhat change like the wind and it's okay to change. We're not, I'm not saying don't change, but there, there has to be some consistency there. And I think that's one of those traits in a leader that will create some commonality with your people. They're going to want to follow you more. But you can't have consistency without vision. It just doesn't happen because you'll start chasing bright, shiny objects and you'll be a part of somebody else's plan, right? And I, I think that's a definitely a common trait between an entrepreneur and a manager in a large organization. Yeah. And by the way, if you're an enterprise salesperson with 18 month sales cycles, you have to look at that too as well. I mean, sometimes, you know, people can't sustain that because they get impatient and, you know, they need endorphin hits a little bit more often than that. And so they go and do things that aren't necessarily going to be aligned with that kind of a sales process. And it's the same thing when you become a manager as, as well, right? I mean, you have to have, once you have that vision, you know, you mentioned consistency, uh, that vision helps you be consistent, right? When you know yep. very, very clearly what that vision is, because the small setback that you have today isn't necessarily as impactful if you know what your vision is. If you don't have any vision, that small setback is really impactful. And then how does that affect, especially if you're leading a team, right? So then how does that affect your behaviors? And then how does that affect the team's behaviors when you're letting small, you know, when you're letting the little bumps in the road impact the way that you even do things? Here's a question for you. I know you've turned down jobs, right? And I know you've turned down jobs because the leader sucked. And you didn't want to put, well, because you respect your candidates too, just as much as you respect the leaders. And you don't want to put these candidates in a bad position with a bad leader, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you, what makes a bad leader bad? How do you, how can you tell, there's no chance I'm working with this person. This is not going to be a good situation. The only good news that could come out of it for you is the candidate's going to be looking for a new gig in four, three to six months, and then you get to place them again. But I know you wouldn't do that. <laughs> so uh, how do you how do you find those? How do you figure out this leader is a, is a big bag of suck? Yeah. And by the way, that's the the one thing I don't want to have happen is somebody call me up in three to six months because I don't want to have to place them again because the, I mean they're likely going to see me or align me with that with that leader, right? With that, with that manager. So, um, you definitely want, don't want to, to do that. I think some of the, <laughs> the worst leaders that I've seen don't set a good example. Um, first and foremost, in other words, they are, you know, you talk about, I know you talk about behaviors a lot, Pete, and it's, they don't exhibit the kinds of behaviors that, that they are telling their people that they want to see. You know, that, that can be cons something like consistency that you were just making that you were just mentioning before. In other words, doing the right things all the time, not just when somebody is looking, but do the right things all the time. So I saw a post today, actually, it said from a sales leader, I don't know if it was a joke or not, but it was like, hey, we're not supposed to do this, but here's what I do. Right. And so not necessarily exhibiting certain behaviors uh, is really crushing. I think saying to your team, Okay, we're going to have a meeting every Monday or each individual. You're going to have, you know, your meeting is at 10, your meeting is Tuesday at 9. And then you're consistently or you're being inconsistent by pushing those meetings back or not having them um, and not following um, through on those, right? The other thing, too, is, is it pertains to follow through, not necessarily following up and not necessarily following through and not reinforcing 
the right behaviors, right? So it's um, sort of talking at your team, but not necessarily having dialogue with your team. And then even worse, you know, once you've barked at your team, not necessarily uh, following through and following up on what you just talked about a week ago. So it, there's, there's, there's a lot, but I think those are the, the things that really uh, kill leaders. So don't cancel a meeting with you, Jay. That's basically what you're telling me. <laughs> exactly. Not if you're my boss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that, I mean, you're right. And I think a lot of times you can sense it too. It's like if they have the smartest guy in the room syndrome, you know, you know, you, you got a problem there. Like you, you want to hire people that are smarter than you. And obviously you and I don't have any issue with that because, <laughs> but you know, even if you are smart, you want to hire people smarter than you. So, That's right. uh, so that, that makes a ton of sense. So if you had to pick for your own success, one attitude that's led to your own success, well, give me what, give me, I'm going to ask you an attitude, a behavior and a technique, but give me an attitude, one, one attitude that's less led to your own success. Um, I think fearlessness. I've just never been afraid of failure, frankly, and certainly not afraid of success. Right. And um, I think what that enables me to do is just talk to people that some people may feel uncomfortable talking to or spending money in areas or investing areas in my business that some people may not invest in, in certain areas of their business. So that's what I would say is, is fearlessness. Awesome. How about a behavior? Behavior. Hmm. I'd say a specific behavior, which might sound pretty boring, but it's, I guess it's tactical. I'm not sure if this is what you're looking for. But I really care about the way that I communicate my messaging through specifically email communication. So obviously, as a as a headhunter, as a recruiter, I need to make sure that every word counts when I'm trying to when, when I'm in a competitive environment like recruiting, and I need to find the best candidates. And I know that I don't, you know, everybody's busy, and that people have the option to either respond or not. And I think that really paying attention to the craft of what it means to have, frankly, just a right subject line and the right opener and the right email and not having it be too long and those types of things. As far as an activity goes and what I have done and sustained over many years is that exactly. So it may sound pretty boring and tactical, but that's what I got for you. Hey, that's okay. It's that's, that's cool. I mean, I appreciate that. I mean, good talk track is gold. It's, I mean, Sandler, as you know, is all about the talk tracks and it's yeah. all about the messaging and it's all about the right question at the right time. And a lot of that happens in different communication mediums, like obviously email and LinkedIn and everything else. So you're right. You, I could tell you, you spent a lot of time with, with that process because it works. So cool. How about a technique? Something that you do that's led to your success? I'll actually give a nod to Sandler a bit here. And I say that because it's something that you know, it's a Sandler technique that I've used, I don't know, just a lot, which really keeps conversations going and it elicits information where information might not otherwise been <laughs> given, <laughs> let's just say, right? And well, a couple. One is, is, is reversing, which is a technique in Sandler as far as the methodology, which is basically just if somebody asks a question to ask them to clarify it or ask the question back in a way that a buys me more time, but then also gets them continuing to talk. And then I think also stripping line, which I love again, because it continues to elicit uh, a particular response from somebody. And I use that, you know, it's funny as, as, as you might think of Sandler, you think of it in terms of prospecting, which is cool, right? Like I, I, I have 
uh, done that. But because my business is so relationship driven, I use it within my relationships. And in particular, even with candidates as well, you know, primarily, right? Because um, I'm trying to elicit as much information as I can from them. And by, you know, using those two particular techniques, whether it's reversing or, um, or stripping line, um, which by the way, stripping line is, 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 is basically um, giving them um, a little bit of space to, to, um, to what's the word I'm looking for, Pete, like um, to f- sort of come back to me, if you will, right? To sort of like- You're not pushing leave, them. Yeah, I'm not pushing them. I'm leaving them, yeah. I'm leaving them room to, to, to come to me, I guess, if you will, without me telling them, um, you know, even come to me, right? I'm not even saying that, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's the, the, those are the techniques that I, I think I've used that, uh, that have worked for me a lot. I mean, I, I love obviously both those two techniques and it brings up a great point. A lot of what will make you successful as a rep. And those are two of my top five favorites as far as Sandler goes, reversing and stripping line. And by the way, stripping line is a fishing analogy. So if you get a little nibble on, on the fish, you don't try to yank the fish in the boat because you're trying to sell the fish to come in the boat by yanking it in there. No, you, you, you basically let the line out a little bit, let the fish get comfortable. So the fish takes a bigger bite and then you can easily reel the fish in. That's the stripping line analogy. But those two things, are gold when when you transition into leadership, you're just going to use them in different ways. You're you're going to use them in different ways to to learn more about your people and what to your point earlier, what motivates them and what consistency means to them. And and don't assume you know what those two things are to your people. And by reversing them or stripping a little bit of line, you you can get their version of that gray. And and that will help you become a better leader too. So it's a great point. Yeah. So Hey, Jay, I really appreciate you spending the time to come on the Emerge on Purpose podcast. I think your insight on what makes good sales leaders good sales leaders is right on the money. And I I think our listeners will get a lot out of this conversation. So I really appreciate your time. And if anybody is looking for an unbelievable sales recruiter, then this is the guy you got to call. And with that, folks, thanks for listening to the Emerge on Purpose podcast. Please subscribe like, share, and until next time. Thanks to you, our listeners. If you would like to support the Emerge On Purpose podcast and help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe to the Emerge On Purpose podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to reach me, by the way, you can linkedin.com forward slash the word in forward slash Sailfish Pete. That's S-A-L-E-F-I-S-H-P-E-T-E.